Again, our scripture reading comes from the book of Jeremiah, first chapter, starting with the first, I mean the fourth, excuse me, verse. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated. Did I leave my keys in the car? Did I leave the iron on? Did I remember to put the trash out? Do I look okay? Is there anything in my teeth? We are all worriers by nature. We all deal with fears and uncertainties and anxieties, and some of us deal with it a little more than others. Some of us deal with it at higher levels than others. We worry about small things. We worry about big things. We worry about how our bills are going to get paid. Should we really have started this business? Should we really have taken that new job? We worry about how our health is going. We worry about our parents. We worry about our children. We worry about our future. Where are we going to go to school? College keeps getting more expensive and more expensive, and they seem to value it even less. We're worried how we're going to thrive in this economy. We sometimes fear who could be our next president. We worry, there's fear, there's anxiety. Are we doing everything we can for our children? Will they be okay when we're gone? Are they going to be able to take care of themselves? Now we are good about putting a smile on our faces while we're going through all of this, when we get around other people. How you doing? I'm good. I'm fine. I'm blessed. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm great. Everything is great. But when we get by ourselves, when no one else is around, even at least for the little bit, our minds begin to wonder. Our minds begin to get just a little bit anxious. Maybe even a little bit of fear creeps in. And even with everything that we are taking care of, we worry about what if something else possibly ends up on our plate. And with everything that is on our plate, we cannot possibly take another thing. 
I have a couple of friends who I often get into debates with because a couple of them say that they just don't do stress. Every time you see them, they're smiling. Everything's great. Even when there's a bad situation going on, I'm not going to get stressed out about it. But I retort that, yes, you don't do stress. And yes, we are in these situations where someone could be in, in, in deserving of a good argument from what's being said, and you're fine, and you're just letting it roll off your back. But both of my friends that don't do stress also have high blood pressure. Both of my friends that don't do stress from time to time get these, and they don't know where they come from, these debilitating migraines where they have to go home from work, can't finish the day out. So I would say, yeah, you may not verbally do stress, but your body is internalizing that stress. Your body is internalizing that fear. Your body is internalizing that anxiety. And so you may not do stress, but your body sure does. And in the midst of this stress, that is why one of the many reasons I am a strong proponent for mental health. I'm a strong proponent for therapy. I'm a strong proponent for friends and covenant groups because you need somebody to talk to. You need somebody to have that conversation with. You may not want to go to a psychologist, and that's a whole other conversation. I'm all for that, but you need somebody to talk to somehow. There are uh, statistics and studies that are done that say that women statistically live longer than men because when they have problems, they talk about it. Men tend to internalize it and hold it in, and that's why they say most women live on average uh, about six to seven years longer than men because they don't talk about it. We have to have conversations. And not only do we have to have conversations, I don't say put your business out to everybody, but we have to have the right conversations with the right people. So in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our tumultuous times, we are called to do something. And in those times, it starts with a conversation. And I say that in the midst of those times because there are those who procrastinate from time to time. I'm waiting for X, Y, Z to happen. I'm waiting for this certain thing to happen before I move on. I'm waiting for the right opportunity to do that. I don't know if the right opportunity will ever come. The Bible says that man born of a woman's days are short and full of trouble. So there's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be something to be fearful of. There's always going to be something to cause your anxiety. So you're going to have to move to the next level of whatever it is in the midst of the trouble. Because if you wait for the trouble to go away before you move on, you'll never move on. But that something starts with a conversation. Abram was hanging out in Haran when he heard the voice that told him to go, to get out from his people. Go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. That starts with a conversation. Moses was tending sheep in the middle of nowhere, and lo and behold, this bush is on fire and not being consumed. 
and has a conversation. And Samuel was a little boy sleeping on a cot in the temple when he heard a voice calling his name. Isaiah was in the middle of the temple as well when he heard the Lord say, whom shall I send? Whom will go out for us? A conversation. Elijah was in the cleft of a mountain hiding when he heard the still small voice and he heard God say to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? A conversation. And then there's this text that you read in your hearing today where Jeremiah has this conversation. Jeremiah is called. Let the church say called. It says that then the word of the Lord came to him saying, before you were in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. Ordained you, ordained you a prophet to the nations. Times were prosperous during this time when this uh, text was being written, but they weren't going to be prosperous, excuse me, for long. Jeremiah, the portion of Jeremiah that was written while we have these wonderful texts that are always quoted before you were in the womb, I knew you and I have a plan for you and a hope for a future. All these texts are being quoted, but Jeremiah is actually written out of order, Uh, out of sequential order rather. It's not, not, not a, in, in, in the time that we do it. it is, uh, Jeremiah was written actually when Judah was about to be attacked. The temple was destroyed and so were Israel's most loved things. People lost land during this time. Covenants were broken. People were attacked. Dynasties were destroyed. Families were ravaged. Jeremiah was a time of suffering. But while it was being go- while it was going on prior to all of that, it was in its heyday. Josiah was considered a great king for all the things that were going on. Pride comes before the fall. Things are always great before they get the worse. The prosperous times were going to an end. But when you've got prosperous times coming on, nobody sees the end. You think that job is going to last forever. And they're going to continue to just give you raises just because and there'll never be a layoff. Things are great before they go bad. And yet and still you have this young boy named Jeremiah who's been told by God that things are about to get bad while everybody's loving it. And on top of that, if you do the math, Jeremiah was only about 14 or 15 years old when this happened. Can you imagine a 14 or 15-year-old coming up to you and telling you that you're going to lose something great to you, that the entire country as you know it is going to change? Jeremiah was given a great task. He had a right to be scared. He had a right to see that this was probably not going to go well. This was probably not going to be received well. He had a right to be scared. But God knew Jeremiah. God knew Jeremiah better than he knew himself. God knew that Jeremiah was up for the task. And not only did God know that Jeremiah was up for the task, he sanctified him for it. He ordained him. He set him apart and gave him divine protection while he was doing the work of the Lord. That's how he responded to the call. And we move from the call to his concern. Let the church say concern. Uh, It says, then said I, "Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Ah, Lord God, is 
something specifically used in prayers when you complain. There are plenty of prophets over that use this thing when they lament, Lord, I don't want to do this. Lord, I am not called to lead this ministry. Lord, I am not called to run this business. Lord, I am not called to step out on faith and do what you would have me to do. Ah, Lord God, can you find somebody else? He felt that he was not up to the task, but he was in good company. Uh, Moses thought that he wasn't up to the task because he thought he was slow to speak. Solomon thought he wasn't up to the task. And even Jesus said, if it's your will, remove this cup from me. I've often heard that they say that the greatest qualities of leadership is not wanting to be a leader. I was a... I often get teased in my seminary classes by some of my classmates because they like to think that I'm going to be a bishop one day. And I say that I don't want to be a bishop. I seriously don't want to be a bishop because bishops don't pastor churches in the United Methodist system. So I'd have to give that away. I love preaching every Sunday. And if I was ever to become a district superintendent or a bishop, I'd have to give that up. I don't want to give that up. That's not part of the sermon, but that's just something I'm going to have to say. But they tease me, calling me bishop, saying that I'm going to be one of the bishops. And when I say I don't want to be a bishop, they say that's the first step to becoming a bishop. He was concerned about it, but God told him not to be concerned. The response to the concern was consolation. Let the church say consolation. Then the Lord said to me, God has, a plan. Well, said, God has a plan for you and God is going to be with you during its execution. God has a plan for you and God's going to be with you during its execution. God has a plan for you and God is going to be with you during its execution. That's why he told Jeremiah, do not say that I am a youth for you shall go to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. See, I have sent this day, set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down. God can use whomever he wants. If it was about your qualifications, you would never get it. God wants you to be brave. God wants you to be great. And he wants you to know once you've done it, all you can do is look back and say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? That's why he uses those people who aren't supposed to be perfectly qualified. Because if it had not been for the Lord on my side, you can see that it was nobody but Jesus who did it for you. He allows us to bring these fears and these feelings to the table when we have that conversation so that he can work through it and work it out of us. That's how you get past those fears. That's how you get past those anxieties. That's how you get past that worry. You have that conversation with God. And when you have that conversation with God, he works it out. And not only does he work it out, he works you out so that you're better able to handle it. God wants our obedience. God desires that obedience, but that obedience doesn't have to come out of 
out of, uh, of coercion. It doesn't have to come out of, out of forcing somebody to do it. If you have those conversations with God, you will develop that relationship with him. And then you won't be afraid. Amen. You'll be able to look the people in the face. God will always supply the resources we need. See, when we have that deep relationship with God, our conversations will lead us to an honesty about our shortcomings. And when you are honest about your shortcomings, you'll be able to be better well recepted. If you know your weaknesses, you can avoid them. Jeremiah recognized that he had a shortfall in the experience area, being as young as he was. But God didn't, that didn't matter. God did not mind. Uh, The old adage says that God doesn't call the qualified, but God qualifies the called. I'll say that again. God does not call the qualified. God qualifies the call. They say that the third time is a charm. God does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the call. So if God wants you to do something. It's not going to matter how much education you've had, how much experience you've had, how much money you've got in your bank account, who are your friends enough. You will have the best networking partner you could ever have in God. And when he does it, you'll have to look back and wonder, there's no way I would have been able to do this myself. So God was going to put the words in Jeremiah's mouth. God was going to direct Jeremiah's conversation as we should as well. Our conversation should be directed by God. Our conversation should be directed by God. So you can't really get mad at a 14 or 15 year old telling them what to do because it wasn't what he was saying. He was saying what God had said. So you can't get mad at 14 or 15 year old Jeremiah trying to tell the country what to do because Jeremiah is not telling the country country what to do. God is. If God can use a donkey to talk, I surely think he can use a child. The Bible says if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. So it doesn't matter what the vessel is. God uses it. God put the words in Jeremiah's mouth. And God was the one that ensured that his mission was successful. Even if it cost Jeremiah a lot in the process. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. Working through these tumultuous times. But you'll be better for it. Sometimes great things hurt. Sometimes doing the right thing costs sacrifice, costs relationships, costs friendships, even takes a little bit of a ding to your reputation. But when it's all said and done, you will have done the right thing. It costs. But we do it because we are taking on what God has called us to do. And we are operating with our fear. And not allowing it to freeze us. I 
went to high school in Indianapolis, Indiana, and North Central High School, in order to graduate from high school, you had to take at least nine weeks of swimming. And the nine weeks of swimming that you had to take was in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. And they did all of the advanced stuff. We weren't here paddling on a little wakeboard. You had to be able to jump off the diving board. You had to be able to dive to the bottom and grab a brick and come back up. And in some cases, you had to be able to pull somebody up with you. I was not the strongest swimmer. I went to a lot of swimming classes at the Y growing up, but they were not anything in the deep end. And I had to realize to myself uh, uh, that in order to get out of this class, yes, I was scared of drowning. But I had to realize that you do not allow the fear to paralyze you. Whether I jump in the water scared or whether I jump in the water not scared, I'm still in the water, am I not? Whether I tread water scared or tread water not scared, I'm still treading water, am I not? Whether or not I go to the deep part of a 20-foot pool scared or I come and come back up or I go down there confident, I still did it all right. So I allow, I have to understand that it's okay to be scared. Just don't let the fear freeze you. Nobody will know if you're scared on the inside unless you tell them. So it's okay. We've gotten this, this, this mentality that it's bad to be fearful of things, that it's bad to be scared of something. If you're scared of it, you're weak. Well, it's not the fear that makes you weak. It's the inaction. The fear of, uh, that causes you to freeze is what's worse. So we allow that fear to move us. And just as Jeremiah had the fear, but he took the word of God in his mouth and spoke it to the nations, we can have that fear. But we take the word of God in our mouths and do what needs to be done. And why do we do what needs to be done? Because some of the most often repeated words in the Bible are, I am with you. God repeatedly tells them, and he tells them later on in Jeremiah in verse 19, that he is with us. So we don't have to stop. We can keep pressing towards the mark of the high calling because God is with us. We'll be able to take on these new endeavors because God is with us. We have a reason not to be scared because God is with us. We have an assurance that the God who calls us will continue to have conversation with us. And continue to lead us. And those conversations will be the one that lead us to record and review as often as we follow God wherever he calls us to go. We are meant to rule. We are meant to have dominion. We are meant to be conquerors. We are meant to be more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. God keeps telling us all the way from Genesis all the way to the end of Revelation. We have the power. We are supposed to rule and not be ruled over. We are supposed to be the head and not the tail. We are supposed to be above and never be beneath. We are supposed to be the lender and not the borrower. We're supposed to be above from the days of Adam all the way on. We are supposed to rule. 
and we follow God, if we follow God wherever God leads us, we will continue to rule. And we will continue to rule and not have anything to be scared of. Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, the Bible says. God has given us one of power and love and of sound mind. Therefore, we ought not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of anybody who's in, or, or me of his prisoner that it says in, in first, uh, Second Timothy 1, 7 through 8. But share with me the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Amen. We ought not be scared. We ought not worry about where everything is coming from because the Bible says that my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We ought not to be scared. And because we ought not to be scared, we'll be put over the nations. We'll be put over the kingdoms. We'll root out and we'll pull down. We'll destroy and we'll throw down. We'll build and we'll plant. People will wonder, how is it you became the supervisor over this position? How is it that this new project happened and you got it? How is it that you got these good grades? How is it that you're able to prosper and do all of these things? It's us taking up God's words in our mouths and not others. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.